Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Living Hope on this this uh, nice, brisk uh, November day. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we really do believe that God meets us here. Whether we're gathered in the room or whether we're connecting online, we believe that God meets us right where we live, right where we are, and... Uh, yeah, and has his grace to give us for whatever we're going through. So let's, let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are so incredibly grateful for your presence, for your grace, for your love, for the strength that you provide when we find ourselves running out of it, for the comfort that you give us when we are grieving, for the, the peace you give us when we are anxious or feeling lost or afraid. Uh, for the grace and mercy that you extend our way when we have fallen and come to you for forgiveness. For the wisdom that you give when, when we don't know which way to turn. Uh, and God, we thank you for the people you surround us with who encourage us and help us, lift us up, remind us of your love. Do that for us today, we pray. Remind us of your love through song, through scripture, uh, through each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, if you're able, if you're interested, let's stand and let's sing. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain Your love will Surely come find us Like blazing wildfires Singing your name God
but I stumble again. Still I'm caught in your grace, everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all things. You will above all else, my purpose remains. The Chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another.
invite you to pray with me, would you? Lord, if only we could see that song lived out in so many places in our world today. May, if only we could see that lived out in our own lives as we strive, Lord, to be more like you day in and day out. And I know that the song is encouraging to us, but Lord, this morning for me, it's challenging. Do people know that I belong to you because, because of the love that I have for others? Father, I, I pray this morning for myself, for each of us here, that more and more and more and more, your love would be apparent in us for the people around us, the people that we see every day, the people that we cross paths with on occasion, the people who are strangers to us, Lord. May they know that we belong to you because of the love that we show. Lord, this week as we're approaching Thanksgiving, for some of us, this is a busy time and we're a little overwhelmed by all the things that we think we have to do in order to make this holiday so special for our families. But Lord, may we not forget to stop and breathe Breathe you in for these moments and thank you for each one of your blessings that have nothing to do with the holiday. Lord, for some of us, for far too many of us, this holiday brings up stuff, brings up family stuff, it brings up tensions and conflicts that most of the year we can not worry about, but some, somehow around the holidays, they just seem to be amplified. And so, Lord, I pray you would be in each of those situations, with those family situations, with those friend situations, Lord, that are just fraught with conflict. May your peace abide in all of that. May you in, in just infuse us with your grace and your love and your compassion and your mercy. Lord, for some of us, this is just not even just a time to get together with family. Lord, it's, it's a painful reminder of things gone by. It's a painful time when we remember 
where we used to be, who we used to be, what we used to be. But Lord, I thank you that you are a God that is in all of that. You are a God that has traveled this journey with us, that you're a God that has never left us, has never forsaken us, and isn't going to anytime soon, isn't going to ever. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what's happening in our lives, you're in it. And you are still God and you are still good and nothing changes that. We are so thankful for that truth, Lord. I'm so thankful for each person here this morning. I'm thankful for each person that joins us online, whether they're watching us now or they're going to watch us later, Lord. I thank you that they have made the time to be here with you along with us. Thank you for inviting us. Be with this service. Be with your people, Lord. And may we be a blessing as you have blessed us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen and amen. And now, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you so much. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst you. I'm just going to say hi real quick to all of you joining us online. Hello, glad you're with us. And uh, hopefully you uh, jot us a little note in the comments or you go to livinghope.info slash connect so that we can connect with you since we didn't get to shake your hand this morning. Um, and yeah, peace to all of you I didn't get to, didn't get to say hi to. Hi, Bill. Uh, uh, yeah, we're glad that you're here today. And uh, yeah, any of you can, uh, can go to livinghope.info slash connect if you'd like just to uh, let us know how we can be praying for you or answer a question for you or anything like that. Uh, or those of you in the room, you could just grab one of those little green cards back there, fill it out, drop it in the offering box. And if you're giving today, you can do that there as well. And, uh, and again, I want to say thank you to all of you who give so faithfully to help make sure that this church can keep doing what it's doing, uh, including donating clothes for people who need it. Um, now, not, not all clothes, all right? Some of you walk by the, the coat rack and the table in the lobby and you think, oh, I've got some extra shirts or I've got some extra pants or whatever. And, and we're not really interested in like all clothing, okay? It's just like cold weather gear. So if you've got like, you know, long underwear or snow pants or something like that, sure. Um, or a coat or a hat or gloves or those kinds of things, sweaters, sweatshirts, uh, stuff that's going to help keep people warm. We don't have room, frankly, for all the other clothing that we could uh, give away and that people need. But if you have, uh, if you have any cold weather clothing that is, uh, that is clean, then it uh, doesn't have to be brand new, but as long as it's clean, uh, you can leave it on the coat rack or on the table. And if you need it, if you need something from there, please help yourself, take it. And, uh, and if you're just looking for a place to hang up your coat, use the coat rack back there in the corner by the coffee, okay? Uh, nobody will take that if you put it back there. Uh, nobody but you. Uh, this afternoon, uh, not, yeah, early afternoon, right afternoon, uh, we're going to have Living Hope 101 after the second service. And uh, so if you haven't made it to one of those yet, you're not sure, like, you know, I'm curious, what does this church believe about this or that? That's a great place to ask that question. It's an intro to the church and what we believe and who we are. And uh, lasts about 90 minutes and we'll have some pizza and uh, you'll get to chat with the uh, I don't know, 10 or, it looks like 10 or 12 of us that are going to be there today, so you get to meet a couple of other folks uh, who've been coming here just in the past year, mostly. Um, and then uh, yesterday, I got to hang out with some of you and help build a house uh, for Habitat for Humanity. It was very cool. And um, I think, I'm pretty sure we'll be doing, I don't know, Sam, come on up here. Sam, Sam Fisher is on the board with Habitat and uh, Porter County Habitat, and I asked her, she shared with all those volunteers, like a little bit about Habitat and what that looks like and what that means. And I thought, it's been a while since you guys have heard what it is that Habitat does and why we do this every year. So come on up, Sam, and, and uh, well, I, I was going to say share with us what you shared with us yesterday, but whatever you want to share, okay. microphone's yours. Okay. Thanks, Rich. Good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to start off um, by thanking you all for multiple years supporting Habitat for Humanity of Porter County. Um, Habitat for Humanity of Porter County has only existed since 1996. And since that inception, um, we've built 32 homes. And kind of like affiliates throughout, yeah, thank you. We got one clap, that's good. I'm nailing it, I'm just kidding. Um, so kind of like most uh, Habitat affiliates, we run off of donations and volunteers. And in this county, we actually just have a working board, which means we only have one full-time employee. And the rest of these homes, these 32 homes, have been built um, with volunteer hours and donations, which is remarkable. Um, we're a faith-based organization. Our roots are Christian, um, but we're ecumenical. So anyone can come, whether you have no faith or lots of faith, everyone's welcome. 
Um, and this year we're helping support a family called the Walker family. Um, I think we have a photo, yep, that's Ashley and her girls, and they're going to be living in South Haven. Um, that home should be finishing up around spring, and we had a nice group of volunteers yesterday. Um, if you want to raise your hand if you volunteer, that'd be great, so you can kind of see. I know some over here, some over here. Uh, we had a nice group of volunteers that helped volunteer to um, build her home, which will be dedicated in spring. Look at, look at all those muscles. We were drywalling, it was really good. Um, so I just wanted to talk about a couple more items related to habitat. Um, the, the habitat model, I think, is really important. For folks that don't know, um, habitat, we don't give home, homes away. Um, what we do is we provide an opportunity for a zero-interest mortgage. Um, most mortgages are about 30 years if you have a traditional mortgage, and 15 years of that mortgage is interest. So the way the math works out is if you take out the 15 years of interest, and you take those other 15 years of the principal, and you spread that across 30 years, the math makes it affordable. Um, we believe that everyone deserves a safe, decent place to call home, and this church year over year has raised thousands of dollars. So I know on the back of your program today, um, there is information. You can go to this website and you can make a donation. I'm really um, hoping you all would consider Habitat for one of your many year-end gifts. Um, what I love about being Christian is us putting our faith in action. Um, we talked, uh, actually, you know, you sang about it earlier. You can tell that we're Christian by our love. Um, so I would say, you know, maybe ponder that this holiday season and whether it's Habitat or another charity, really make sure that people are seeing you live out your values in action. Thank you so much. Thank you. Go ahead, go ahead and throw up some of those other volunteer photos that were, that were in there, just so you guys can see uh, some of the other volunteers that came out. And I, I didn't know what we were going to be doing when I showed up yesterday. Um, uh, a lot of times we've been, uh, you know, putting up the walls, that kind of thing. It's been a lot of hammering and that. But uh, thankfully, with the, the weather, they'd already closed it up. They'd gotten past that. And so I'd never done drywall before. It was fun to kind of learn how that works. And uh, we were able to write notes to people on the on the things, you know, write little encouraging things that they might never see, but, you know, little prayers or scriptures or things like that uh, that the uh, new homeowners will, will have in their walls, reminding them that they're loved and that, that God is with them. So anyway, it was, uh, it was great. And if you'd like to uh, participate, they're open to volunteers all the time. I don't know, will we have like another build day or whatever for this house later? Okay. Yeah, so if you are interested in helping build, not just donate, but getting out there and use your hands, just let us know. Write that on one of those cards or get a hold of us somehow and let us know, hey, I want to help with Habitat, and we'll make sure that, uh, that you're on that list that gets notified, uh, that you know when you can show up. Um, it's the kind of thing where they, they train you. I mean, uh, yesterday at some point, I, I remember, I think I remember saying to Scott, like, it feels like it might go faster if it was just them and they weren't having to show us how to do all this stuff, uh, all us untrained, you know, volunteers. But... Um, uh, but after a while, you figure out what you're doing, and so by the second hour, you're like, oh, okay, we're making progress, and by the third hour, you're, you're really humming along. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, if you'd like to help, that'd be great, and, and all of us can give to it. Uh, if, you, if you go to the online giving thing at livinghope.info slash give, you can pick the Habitat Fund from the little drop-down and give specifically to Habitat, or any gift that you throw in that box, if you're at Habitat on the envelope, we'll make sure that goes into the Habitat Fund. Um, yeah, we would love to, to do that. Uh, we'd love to have your support, whether it's a $5 gift or $5,000 gift, whatever it is that you feel like God wants you to give, uh, please just give and give generously. And where did my... I don't know the next date uh, of, a, of a build thing. I thought I had my notes up here or in my pocket or something. All of a sudden, I don't have any of them. Did somebody have... Oh, you've got them. You took them with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I was trying to think, like, what did I do with those? I could have sworn I dropped them up here. Oh, yeah, if you don't have one of these, you might want to grab one because there's scriptures inside for, uh, for this morning's message. And, uh, and mine has some little notes scribbled in the margins, too, so I know what I'm talking about. Uh, one of the things as we approach Thanksgiving, you know, each Sunday I've been, this month, I've been trying to think of things that I'm thankful for and things that are reflected in the book of Hebrews, which is where we're reading from this month. And, uh, and today I found myself just being thankful for other people, whether it's other people who help, you know, build a home for people who need it or other people who, um, let's see, this last week I was at a, at a dinner for uh, people from all the different churches that are working with the, the men's shelter that rotates from church to church that's been going for well over a decade now. And uh, we have the guys here on Thursday nights, including this Thursday night, Thanksgiving, there'll be some guys sleeping on our floor here in the church. It's all coordinated by New Creation Men's Center. And, um, and this room was filled with people who are doing that work. And this was just mostly leaders from these churches. And, uh, and we were hearing more about this shelter that's being built, uh, that Mitch Peters, if you don't know Mitch, wave, wave, Mitch is up here in the corner. Most of you guys know who Mitch is. Um, 
He's helped start Respite House, and now Respite House is working on building a shelter uh, here in town that uh, hopefully will <clears throat> get uh, ground broken before, before snow hits and, uh, and be finished by next winter, where um, uh, they will also have a warming center attached to that. So what we have done this last January and February, and what we're planning to do this coming January and February, opening our doors for people who just need a warm, safe place to sleep, will be happening there uh, that next winter, if it all goes well. And... Um, and they have uh, kind of joined forces with New Creation to, uh, to kind of, what's the, what's the businessy word they use, synergize? Anyway, to work together better uh, than they had previously to make sure that, uh, that folks in our community are getting served. But all these different moments where I see people who are doing good and I find myself just being thankful for other people. And um, not just for other folks who are out there doing good, but like people in my own life, you know, people who encourage me, people who... Um, build into me, people who ask me tough questions from time to time, you know, um, I've got a church board meeting this Tuesday night, I'm thankful for those who serve on our church board, you know, that's not just me trying to do this, I'm thankful for all the people who volunteer here, thankful for parents, thankful for youth leaders and volunteers over the years who've built into me, you know, we've got so many people in our lives we could be thankful for, and what I was seeing as we were making our way through this letter to the Hebrews uh, was how over and over again it talks about how amazing God is and then how God works through people. And, and how we really do need each other. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking like, okay, I think I'd be better, I'd be more grateful if I didn't have to deal with some of these other people, right? <laughs> I got people in my life I don't want to, you know, uh, maybe you're thinking about this coming week and Thanksgiving and you're thinking of some of the people you might be sitting around a table with and you're like, not looking forward to having to be that close to some of these folks. I don't know. Or just some people at your school or your work or whatever it might be that like make your life difficult. And it's true. Other people can be tricky. Other people can be a pain sometimes. That's just how it is. Um, but if you've ever tried doing life without other people, uh, you probably found pretty quickly that it just doesn't work. I mean, we weren't created to do life on our own. We weren't created to, to just make it without other people, um, either for them to support us or for us to support them. We were created for relationships. And the book of Hebrews is, is uh, <clears throat> very clear about that. Now, the, the letter starts out, I've been mentioning these verses each and every week because I want to make sure none of us miss this, all right? We have so many different ideas about who God is and uh, shaped by so many different things uh, that I want to make sure that we all know what Hebrews chapter 1 says. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son, talking about Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, we call the Christ. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. If you've ever had questions about what God is like, look at Jesus is what this is saying. And in Jesus, you will see exactly what God is like. You will see his love, his grace. You'll see uh, his persistence. You'll see his faithfulness. You'll see his unwillingness to let anyone go uh, thinking that they are unloved or, or pushed aside. Um, so if you've ever wondered, is, is God really the, uh, the angry, vengeful God that you know, some preacher you know, shouted at me when I was a kid? Or is, is God just the big cosmic pushover that I you know, hear about sometimes? From... Look at Jesus. Look at who Jesus is, and you'll see exactly who God is. And this Jesus welcomes us into his family. That's Hebrews chapter 2 says both the one who makes people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, talking about all of us. He welcomes us into his family, and, and we have brothers and sisters. Jesus is kind of like our ultimate big brother, and then we have all of our siblings. You know, you are my family. You are my brothers and sisters. And, you know, maybe you've been to a church before where everybody calls each other brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You know, that's, that's what they're getting at right there, this idea that we are family, and we need each other. As we get into, as we get to Hebrew, there are two verses that I think they've both popped up multiple weeks already. Just in the two weeks that we've been making our way through this, here we're on week number three. Uh, I just want, want to pull out the part that talks about encouraging each other. Uh, because right in the midst of everything else, um, like from chapter three, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. You know, this is right on the heels of him quoting that psalm that looks back at the wilderness time. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the wilderness during that time of rebellion. Now he's saying, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It doesn't say encourage one another weekly. 
when you show up at church or encourage each other, you know, once or twice a month when you show up at church or, you know, whatever your pattern might be, right? Saying encourage each other daily. We need daily encouragement. And there are people in your life who might need daily encouragement, who might need someone that checks in with them regularly to see how they're doing, to make sure they're doing all right, to let them know that they're loved, <laughs> that you miss seeing them, uh, that, that they shouldn't give up. You know, and we need encouragement, the, the reason, he says here, so that none of us may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We need people in our lives who will help us to avoid evil. You know, this is like the negative stuff that we want to avoid. We need people in our lives to encourage us so we can avoid having hearts that drift away or that turn away from God or that, that get hard to, to God trying to speak to us. We need people in our lives who will catch us before we get too far off-road and say, hey, I'm seeing some stuff in your life that doesn't look good. You know, you, you seem like you're just hanging on to this bitterness or something about that wrong that was done to you. You just can't, can't seem to get past it. We need to, can, can I help you? Can we pray together? Can we try to help you find a way to forgive something? And we need people around us who will, who will notice, who will know us well enough that when we start to get hard or when we start to get deceived, um, that they'll be there speaking truth to our lives, that they'll be there helping us to, to hear what God needs us to hear. Who in your life do you have that does that for you? Who do you have that, or who are you being for, who are you doing that for, I guess, maybe, you know, that idea of, like, who are your friends, and who are you being a friend for, that's kind of what we're getting at here, right? We all need this in our lives in some fashion. It might be other people here at this church, it might be people you know from outside this church, it might be classmates, it might be coworkers. it might be family, who do you have? As long as you have someone, some people in your life that are encouraging you so you don't give up, the people that you're encouraging so there's the negative side, but then in Hebrews 10, it kind of gets the, the positive direction. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, both of those uh, passages talk about encouraging one another. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you use one of those Bible apps or you use like a BibleGateway.com for some reason, it's the one I landed on years ago and still use. It's, I kind of feel like there's other newer websites out there that might be better, you know, but it's a little like, you know, continuing to use like uh, MapQuest or something, you know, when everyone's got Google Maps in their pockets. But anyway, uh, whatever you use to like do the Bible online or on, in your phone, if you ever just type in like one another, you might just put quotes around it so it knows like to use that as a phrase. Um, it's amazing how many things pop up, how many different times throughout the Bible God talks about, hey, you need to do this for one another or for each other. You could use that phrase to each other. And uh, the things that we, are, that we need each other for, you know, the, the ways that we need to be supporting each other and forgiving each other and encouraging each other, all of that. You know, this one's talking about spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. It's like to do the good. You know, so we need each other to make sure we avoid evil and we need each other to make sure that we're doing the good that we're supposed to be doing, that we don't just drift into these lives of, yeah, everything's fine. I've kind of got everything I need for me and mine. And, you know, I toss a few bucks here and there to, to that, that charity or whatever. But, you know what, most of my life is about me and mine. And it's easy to drift into that, especially in the world that we live in, to just think as long as me and mine are okay, then everything's good. And sometimes we need people in our lives who are like giving us a different example. You know, people who are helping us to see like, oh, or I could be giving my time to help build a house. Oh, or I could be, you know, coming out and helping people uh, have a warm place to sleep in January and February. Or I could be, you know, all these different ways that we could love these good things that we could do that sometimes we need someone to, to spur us on toward that, you know, to, to like not let us get too comfortable, right? That, I've always loved that spur image, right? Because, uh, you know, maybe, maybe growing up and watching like the, the old westerns or the cowboy movies or that kind of thing, you know, they, they walk into the, into the saloon and it's, you know, there's all that jingling and jangling going on because on the end of their boots are those spurs, you know, and because uh, when they hop on their horse, if they need it to hurry up, they, you know, give it the little spurs and, and the horse, you know, starts moving. You know, it's their way of putting the pedal to the metal and stepping on the gas. It's a spur and I can't imagine it's too comfortable. I, I, I think I've convinced myself that for the horse, you know, it's not like too painful because, you know, thick hide and all of that. I don't think they're hurting the horse, but I don't really know. I'm not a horse. Uh, <clears throat> it doesn't look too comfortable to me. I wouldn't want some, somebody, uh, you know, sticking one of those in my side. But that's the image that he uses. Like, let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's not allow each other to become complacent, to just think, yeah, everything's fine. And, and he combines that with meeting together. 
you know, making it a habit in our lives of like regularly seeing each other face to face and talking to each other, encouraging each other. So whether it's to help us to avoid evil or to help us to do good, we need other people in our lives. And, and the book of Hebrews is, is pretty plain about that. Uh, one of the other passages we've, we've looked at, I think, just about every Sunday so far is in Romans chapter 12, then. He uses that race imagery. Remember, chapter 11 is all about all these uh, saints in the past who've done all this good and trusted God through great difficulty. And chapter 12 says, calls them a cloud of witnesses. It says, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Sometimes that's what we need people around us to help us do, to, to help us to hear the, the cheers of the crowd, to help us to, to see again the examples of others who have done this before us. We need people around us maybe to help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Our eyes get so fixed on our problems, we can't, we can't look up and see that, oh, wait, Jesus is leading us past our problems. He's going he's gonna to get me through this. And we need friends sometimes to help us pick up our gaze and to, to look forward. For the joy set before him, talking about Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And if we do that, if we, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, then Jesus will lead us into a particular kind of life. Right? Jesus isn't just going to give us a list of things to believe and say, if you believe this and believe that and believe this, you're all good. Right? If we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, he's going to lead us into a particular way of living, a particular way of, of living with God, a particular way of living with each other. Our lives are, are devoted to God, and he, we love him with all that we are, where we actually love our neighbors as we love ourselves, which <clears throat> I know gets said often enough that I think we can all kind of think, oh, yeah, I love my neighbor as myself. I have to say, when I think about what that means, love my neighbor as myself, I don't, I don't provide nearly for my neighbors like I provide for myself. You know, I, that's, a, that's a high bar. That Jesus sets in front of us. It's a, it's a life that he leads us into that can be beautiful if we can let him keep leading us toward it. If we don't just settle into that complacent, everything's good kind of a life. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus is going to lead us to a life where we are open to each other. Jesus is going to lead us to a life that isn't just about me and Jesus. He's going to lead me to a life where I see the people around me like Jesus saw. And Jesus stopped and Jesus healed and Jesus touched and Jesus encouraged uh, and I know this is what the author intended because, oh, I just noticed down there it says Romans chapter 12. That's Hebrews chapter 12. Sorry about that. Um, because by the time he gets a little bit later in, in Hebrews chapter 12, um, he's saying, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. He's quoting from the prophet Isaiah uh, there. With the, that's why there's some quote marks around part of that, that make level paths for your feet. Um, I don't know if he's still got the race imagery in his mind, and he's saying, you know, this, this isn't one of those steeplechase things where you got to, like, jump over hurdles and, you know, over ponds and whatever. Is that what that's called, steeplechase? Anyway, um, it's not one of those tough mutter races. You know, he's saying, like, level the paths. There's some, there's some people with you that, that are, have some struggles, and you got to help strengthen the people around you. There's some people with some feeble arms and some weak knees. you gotta, you got to smooth out the path so that the lame won't be disabled but healed, so they'll be able to follow Jesus as well. It's like, we got people that need a little extra help. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to follow him together. We're going to need to encourage each other. We're going to need to, to, need to you know, smooth out some, some barriers that might have been preventing them from, uh, from connecting to God like, like they'd like to. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And then no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Which that bitter root thing is like, that's a weird little image. He's quoting from Deuteronomy there where they use that, that imagery. And, and the idea is that as the church goes through life, as we go through life, there may be some folks who um, aren't necessarily like sold out to Jesus, you know, or like are still kind of, well, I'm kind of along for the ride, and I like what this church is about, and I like what, what you guys are doing, and I want to be a part of that. I don't know about this Jesus thing yet, and I'm not sure I really want to line my life up to look like his. And, and so there might be some of us who are along the, kind of along for the ride, which is nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. You know, keep investigating. Keep asking questions about Jesus. Keep. But at some point, you kind of got to decide, like, okay, am I going to follow Jesus, or am I 
am I going to follow someone else? You know. And the, the image from Deuteronomy was that like, there might be some among you who, who start to wander off after other gods or who start to kind of take the community off, off track. And that, that's like a, almost kind of like a, like a weed in the garden, you know, like a, like a root that, that grows and, and brings bitterness instead of fruit. And so the, the suggestion isn't, what, what he says isn't, so rip those folks out and get them out of your church. That's not what he says, right? He says, no, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. He's like, there are people that, that you know in your life who they're, they're kind of, they're on the journey, but man, you don't want them to fall short of experiencing God's grace. You, you want them to come to a place where they, they really do say yes to God's grace and they say, okay, I, I really do believe it, that God loves me. I, I need my sins forgiven. I need to finally <laughs> say yes to Jesus and, and follow him. I've been kind of like, you know, listening to Jesus like a good teacher. I've been, I've been kind of uh, along for the ride a little bit, but you know what I really do? I want him to be my savior, my Lord. I want him to be the one that sets the agenda for my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to acknowledge him for who he is. That's when we get to experience this thing he talks about in the verse right before about holiness. So make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. And he says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, I just encountered something this last week, just a couple days ago, that uh, kind of turned that part on, my, on its head for me. Um, <clears throat> that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I'd always heard that taken in the sense of like, unless we are made holy, unless the, the sin and selfishness and ugliness is purged out of our lives, until we kind of reflect the, the beauty of God and who God created us to be, until we are holy, like God is holy, then we won't get to see the Lord. You know, kind of like God is this um, consuming fire. That's another image used for God, actually in the book of Hebrews as well, uh, but from the Old Testament. And this idea that like, well, you get too close and if any of that sin is just going to get kind of burned up. And so if you're holding on to sin, you know, in your life, like as you get closer and closer to this flame, it's going to burn up and you along with it kind of a thing. And so you got you to gotta let God get rid of that stuff. You got to let him wash you clean and um, get rid of those sinful, selfish attitudes or, or those, uh, those nasty habits that you've held on to. Um, you got to let God kind of cleanse your life so that you can see God. Like God wants to be seen, like God wants to see you and live in relationship with you. And, and I think that's true. That's, that's, if any of you are familiar with our Roman Catholic you know, brothers and sisters who believe in purgatory, that after you die, if you're a Christian, well, you still got to go through this purgatory where, where all that sin gets dealt with so that finally you can be face-to-face with God. That's why they came up with that idea, because they're like, well, you got to be holy before you can see the Lord, so there's got to be a process of repentance and all the rest somewhere after death, because We've known lots of people who are Christians who died, and they've still got all kinds of ugly sin in their life, so God's going to have to deal with that sometime. They called that purgatory. Um, other Christian traditions, a lot of Protestants believe, like, well, that's something God's just going to deal with instantly. You know, you die, and he's just going to go, Zoop, okay, great, all the sin's gone, and come on in. And, uh, or that he's going to deal with that in this life. The tradition we're in, this Wesleyan holiness tradition, uh, that I'll be talking about with some of you at Living Hope 101 uh, this afternoon, um, Believes in, no, God, God wants to do that here now. He doesn't want to just wait till you're dead to, to wash you clean. He wants to deal with that, that now. So I'd always kind of read that in, from that direction, and lots of Christian theologians have. And I just heard someone a couple days ago say, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And they, they took it in the sense of like, well, without holiness, then the people around us aren't going to see God in us. I thought, oh, that's a different way to read that. Unless we are reflecting God's, God's holiness. Like, unless our lives look like Jesus... And the people around us who need to see God in us, who need to see Jesus, who need to, who need to know that God loves them, if they don't see that love in us, how are they going to believe that God loves them if, if God's kids don't love them? How are they going to believe that God is gracious and forgiving if God's kids aren't gracious and forgiving? So without holiness, no one will see the Lord in me, in you. So we need to see to it that none of us fall short of the grace of God. That we're, that we're letting God's grace change us. All right. The last little bit from, uh, from Hebrews that I want us to look at today is from Hebrews chapter 13. And this, um, I got about five minutes to try to do this before we celebrate communion. All right. Hebrews 13, again, he talks about loving each other. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Just what we've been talking about. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. By doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Just referring back to the story about Abraham back in Genesis. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. He's talking about solidarity. He's talking about 
coming alongside people and not just saying like, oh, yeah, we've got to care about those folks, but like, wait, love your neighbor as yourself, as if you were going through that. As if you, were, if you were in prison, how would you want people to be treating you? Treat them that way. You know, it's the, it's the and remembering those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. It's, it's like the, the kid in school who has the courage when they see another kid getting bullied to go stand next to the kid getting bullied and stand up to the bullies, right? That's what he's talking about here. Solidarity, standing alongside those who are suffering. He says this is what it looks like to, to love each other as brothers and sisters. And by the middle of that chapter, which is the, this is the end of Hebrews, uh, by the middle of that chapter, he's saying, it's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Not by eating ceremonial foods, which is no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Which is like, okay, here's getting back into that weird tabernacle, ceremonial food stuff that if you read the book of Hebrews, you know he spends a lot of time on. And we haven't spent a whole lot of time on it uh, on Sundays. He's writing to, to Jewish Christians who... There are probably, there's some tension between them and their fellow Jews who continue to worship at the temple and continue to center their lives around Jerusalem. And it might be that the author of Hebrews is saying, it's okay to make a break with your fellow Jews. It's okay. If they cast you out, it's not the end of your relationship with God. You're following Jesus who is superior to the angels and superior to the law. And he's instituted a new covenant. It's okay if the people following the old covenant are kicking you out. You don't have to, your life isn't over. God isn't rejecting you. He's saying, like, look, we have something they don't have. We have this altar that they, they don't have a right to eat at, the altar that Christ gives us that we're going to celebrate in just a moment. And he goes back and says, The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies of those animals are burned outside the camp. And you, you, can, you can read about this in Deuteronomy. And we did earlier this year. And he says, And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. So he's saying, just like the animals' bodies are put outside the camp, Jesus went outside the city. And so then he says, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we're looking for the city that is to come. It's like if you don't get to center your life and faith around Jerusalem any longer because they're rejecting you, it's okay. They rejected Jesus too. Let's go to Jesus where Jesus is, bearing the disgrace that he bore. And I couldn't help but read that in light of those earlier verses in Hebrew 13 about solidarity. Because outside the camp isn't just where the bodies of the sacrificial animals were tossed. That's also where the lepers were forced to live. And the outcasts, the people who, who were un, considered unclean. If you read Deuteronomy, you read, read the law that they'd been given. Outside the camp, outside the city, that's where those who were rejected and outcasts were sent. And Jesus goes to them in his death. And we are called to go to Jesus, bearing his disgrace, the same disgrace that he bore. Perhaps because that's where some of our neighbors are. Maybe because some, some of the others that we are called to love and to, and to live and to come alongside of, maybe because they have been rejected and pushed aside. And they need us to go to them if we're going to carry God's grace to them, if they're going to know that they are loved. We've got folks today, uh, it's a growing number of people, if you read the surveys, who are outside the church, who on the survey say, nah, you know, what, what kind of religious tradition do you have? Oh, nothing in particular. That's kind of what they answer. Some say atheist or agnostic, but a whole lot of folks just say, man, nothing in particular. And many of those are people who've been, found themselves kind of pushed out by the church. The church they grew up in, the church they were raised in, they no longer feel at home in. They're living outside the camp and they need someone who's willing to, to risk a little disgrace to go to them, to let them know that they're loved, to let them know that they are valued. Now, when I'm there, I can't help but think of um, all of this about needing each other. I can't help but think of that story. And I hope you'll read it later. Um, in either Mark chapter 2 or Matthew 9 or Luke 5. It's in all three of those Gospels about the friends who bring their par this paralyzed man to Jesus. And that Jesus says in all three of those Gospels that seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man. In, in Mark's Gospel, I think Luke 2, they talk about how they have, to, they have to dig a hole in the ceiling and lower him down because they couldn't get, get the guy to Jesus. Jesus sees their faith and says to the man, your sins are forgiven. And then he heals them as well. Because he had friends who were willing to carry him to Jesus when he couldn't get there himself. And 
That's the image that's always in the back of my mind when I think about how we need each other. We need people who will carry us to Jesus when we can't get ourselves there. When our faith has run out, when whatever that muscle is, that faith muscle that we've got to exert when we're trying to trust God in difficulty, when we finally are like, I've reached the end of that, we need people who will believe for us and carry us to Jesus and pray for us and encourage us. And sometimes we need to be that for others if we're going to get people to Jesus. But that doesn't quite fit this from Hebrews 13 because Jesus is already outside the camp and we're supposed to go, go to him. And we're not carrying someone else to Jesus. We're going to, Jesus is already, we're, we're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, trying to follow him and, and Jesus is leading us outside the camp. He's leading us to some people who uh, are feeling disgraced. And so maybe it's, maybe it's Matthew 25 that I should be thinking of here. What Jesus says that at the, at the last judgment, Jesus is the one who's going to be in the judge's place. And everyone's going to get divided, sheep and goats. And the sheep, he's going to say, you're blessed. Enter into the, the blessings of, of life with God. Because when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was sick, I was in prison, you visited me. You cared for me when I was in need. And he says to the, the goats, he says, when I was in need, you ignored me. You, didn't, you gave me nothing to eat. You didn't shelter me. You didn't care for me. And both sides are like, well, when did we see you in need? And Jesus says, when you did it or didn't do it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it or didn't do it for me. So maybe it's not so much. Maybe I shouldn't be thinking so much of like, I'm carrying Jesus to people who, who need him or something, or I'm, I'm getting people to Jesus. Maybe Jesus is already there. He already loves them. He's already with the needy. And, that's, and if I want to know Jesus... If I want to see, if I want to draw nearer to God, the God who loves me, the God who made me, the God who sent Jesus for me as well, if I want to be closer to Jesus, maybe I have to get closer to some people in need. Maybe I have to go outside the camp. We have to go to where people are and not wait for them to come to me. These are the things I think about when I read the, the book of Hebrews, and I don't know where that's intersecting with your life, frankly. I, I don't know what people God has placed in your path. Um, I pray that all of us will um, not try to do life alone, uh, that we'll have eyes and hearts open to the people around us, uh, whether it's us providing the help or them helping us, uh, that we will experience the fullness of life with God that comes only uh, when we're willing to follow Jesus into places where, where people need live. That's what Jesus has done for us, and that's what we're going to celebrate in the sacrament of Holy Communion today. Let's bow our heads and let's pray to him as we make our way toward his table. God, we're so grateful that out of love for us, you came to us in your son, Jesus, that you were willing to enter into the ugly brokenness of our sin, what we had done with these lives you'd given us. Thank you for not keeping your distance, but for you were, you were willing to, to come alongside us, to suffer with us, to bear the shame that we brought upon ourselves. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving your life for us. And we are so grateful that that story is not one of defeat, but is one of victory. Because Jesus, you rose from the grave. You defeated the powers of sin and death and the devil so that we can be set free so that we don't need to be bound by those chains that have held us down for so long, so that we don't need to live weighed down by shame or by guilt, so that we don't have to continue to try to run while lugging behind us a, a whole big uh, carton of, of sin. You can break those chains. You can set us free to live a life that is beautiful and good. Following Jesus wherever you lead. So today we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we'll meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Out of gratitude to you, we offer you ourselves, acknowledging our need of your forgiveness, of your grace, remembering the ways that we have not loved you with all that we are, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We confess it to you, God, and we are so grateful that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You truly are making us holy as we submit ourselves to you, as we 
as we invite you to do that work in us. Thank you, God, for the new life that you give when we put our faith in you. We leave behind a a life um, enslaved to sin, and we step into this beautiful new life with you. For some of us, God, this celebration of communion is, is going to be just a, one more reminder, part of our weekly rhythm of being reminded of your love for us. For some of us, God, today might be that day when we are making this step for the very first time. Whether we're brand new to this or whether we've been following you for years, God, as we uh, accept this bread and this juice into our bodies, we accept your grace into our hearts, into our souls, into our into our being. And we invite your Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out so that we can be a a holy people who reflect you to the world around us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, And if you can't make your way forward, I think we've still got the cups on most of the tables that you can peel back and get to the bread and, and get to the juice. So let's celebrate. Let's give thanks to God for the amazing love he's shown us in Jesus Christ. Relentless grace Like the three in one
Thank you again, God, for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with the spirit of Christ, I pray, so that we might leave this place as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, sent into the world, just as we've been singing about, filled with the grace and the love that you have given us, ready to share it with those you send us to. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.